Welcome to the Should Have Bet More podcast presented by Go Boys. Coming up on the show today, Todd Wishnet, professional better, will join us. We'll talk some college basketball. He is great with live betting. He and I actually did the March Madness beating the book Megapod right before the tournament last year. And I picked Florida Atlantic to go to the Final Four. Todd picked UConn to beat San Diego State in the finals. So hopefully we can recreate some of that magic. But like I said, Todd is very good with college hoops. He's very good in terms of live betting, especially total. So we will pick his brain in terms of how he goes about his process as uh, we'll start here with college basketball. I'm sure for a lot of people, football's over, nothing in the NBA this week. This is the first weekend for casual fans where they sit down and they watch college basketball on a Saturday and Sunday where usually they'd be watching something else. And the story is UConn. UConn, the number one team in the country. It was a top five battle on Saturday, number one versus number four Marquette. And UConn absolutely buried Marquette, uh, beat him by 28 points and, What's scary if you're the rest of the country, there was a point where UConn, I think, was like 4 of 18 from 3, wasn't shooting it well from outside, and they were still up like 17 points. I mean, it just – I think the takeaway from this weekend, at least for me, is maybe there is a bigger gap. We all, we all kind of agreed UConn was the best team. UConn was the short shot, the favorite to win the title. Uh, I think the takeaway is that maybe the gap between them and everybody else is a little bigger than we thought, and usually you don't want to go chalk in this – format in these single elimination tournaments it's one game anything can happen one bad night and you're out one hot shooting night from the other team you're out it's very hard to go back to back we haven't seen it since joe kim Noah's florida team in what was it 2006 into 2007 so it's hard it's hard to do especially in college now where the, the turnover on the rosters is so such a factor in terms of you know, you're not going to win the title one year and then bring back basically the same team. A lot of those guys are going to graduate or go to the NBA. That's just the nature of the sport now. But UConn has a real shot to do it. And you look a little deeper. You look ahead to March and the, the tournament, it's actually, it's one month from from yesterday. It, it's actually a little later than, it starts a little later than usual where Selection Sunday's on, on St. Patrick's Day. It's on March 17th where usually, you know, St. Patrick's Day is usually where you're in like the first, sometimes the second round of the tournament. Uh, so, I mean, it's not a lot later, but it is a good, you know, five, six, seven days, almost, you know, almost a week later than usual. So it's a late start to the tournament. The actual, the tip off of the Thursday, Friday, I don't count the planes is the start of the tournament. It doesn't start to like the 20th, the 21st. So it is a later start to the tournament, but you look a little deeper, the regionals, there's an East regional that's in Boston. So the sweet 16, the elite eight. So if UConn's in that bracket, which I would think they would be pretty good shot, barring a collapse of being a one seed, being in the East. Assume they get to the Sweet 16, which it would take a monumental upset for them not to. You're going to be a situation where not only they're the best team, but they might go to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight in Boston with a little bit of a home court advantage, uh, which, I mean, you got the best team. To add another advantage in terms of being uh, ha having a good home court, and look, UConn fans travel. We've seen that in Madison Square Garden. We've seen that uh, in past years, 2014, when they won it. Madison Square Garden was basically like a home game for UConn, and that was they were lower in the bracket that wasn't anticipated, but UConn's going to travel. Uh, UConn fans are passionate about this team. There were some down years. So I think, you know, UConn fans will, uh, will really follow them, especially if they're in Boston. I think that will be basically a UConn home home game. So look, I, I can't bet this in Connecticut. DraftKings doesn't offer. I don't even think they offer NCAA futures in Connecticut in terms of winning the title, but I'm looking offshore. There's a four to one on UConn, but in Cirque at Circa in Vegas, there's still a plus six fifty on UConn. To me, that's a great price. Again, hard to go back to back, single elimination, anything can happen. But to me, I'm at the point where the biggest, their biggest opponent is the format of this tournament. The fact that it's single elimination, the fact that, hey, one bad night, anything could happen. 
If this were best four out of seven, I think they'd be a much more overwhelming favorite. The fact that it's one and done equalizes things, but still UConn's in great shape. And combine that with the fact that Purdue, who a lot of people might've thought is one, one, a two, uh, wherever you'd have them. Uh, they had a bad loss in Ohio state. I can't trust them. I don't trust the coach outside of Edie, who you can take out of the game. Look, we saw fairly Dickinson take him out of the game last year. Outside of Edie, they are a very average team. They're going to have to prove it to me. They're going to have to prove it to a lot of people. I'm going to have to see it before I believe it with Purdue. And hey, maybe they can get to an elite eight, a final four, but in terms of beating UConn, in terms of actually winning the whole thing, I, I would take UConn over Purdue comfortably at this point. So, uh, I just think the gap between UConn and Purdue really showed itself this weekend. And if you if you have access to Circa, if you know somebody that's out in Vegas, plus six fifty, there's a big difference between four to one and plus six fifty. Again, at five to one, I think that's pretty good. And I, I'd really like the plus six fifty. I'm surprised that's out there. You still get a plus one thirty at Circa to make the Final Four again. If they're in that Boston region, that's a hell of a bet. Other things from college basketball this weekend: Kentucky, who I was starting to wonder. I, yeah, I said this last week uh, to a few people that we were, we were talking. I was, you know, I wonder if it's run its course with Calipari at Kentucky. We've seen some of these older coaches retire a little sooner than expected, whether it's Coach K, uh, Nick Saban, Jay Wright. With the NL, with the NIL, the transfer portal, you get the sense these older college coaches that have done things a certain way for a long time just don't have the energy to deal with this new system. I wonder if Calipari, who's been in Kentucky 15 years, whether they get sick of him or he gets sick of them and just says, you know what, I, I don't need this anymore. They say, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. I started to wonder if that's run its course again. He's been there 15 years. He won a title, but it was like a what, a dozen years ago. He hasn't been to a Final Four in almost a decade. Hasn't been to Sweet 16 in five years. And they had a bad loss last Saturday against Gonzaga, at home against Gonzaga. And if, you know, if you're not paying attention, Gonzaga, this is not the typical Gonzaga 1-2-3 seed. That's a mainstay in the tournament. They are a bubble team. They are not a good team this year. So for them to go into Kentucky and win, and Kentucky hadn't been playing well, he started to question the direction. But Kentucky bounced back. They played well against Ole Miss on Tuesday. Again, they were supposed to win, but they defended well, which is the thing you worry about with Kentucky. Then they had a statement dominant win in Auburn where they actually won both halves, won the game by 11 points in Auburn. Auburn's a good team, especially on offense. That's a tough place to win. So Maybe we don't kick dirt on Kentucky yet. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of NBA guys. Uh, so so Kentucky was a big takeaway for me for this weekend. They are, again, looking offshore here. These prices vary. Shop around 33 to 1 to win it all. You do always go through that thing of, hey, if I like a team, do I take them 33 to win it all? Or do I wait till they get to the tournament and just bet them every game on the money line and roll it over? Especially if you're, especially if you're Kentucky and you're talking about like a 6 or a 7 seed. Maybe that's the better way to go. I know people don't sometimes have... I don't know, the time, the discipline to do that. You, you make it bet once or twice, and then you know you start to see that money in your account, and you you shrink a little bit, and you don't make the, the same size bet the next time. Uh, the Chiefs were 10-1. to 1. It's interesting. The Chiefs were 6-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl before the season started. You can say, boy, if you bet that, that's a hell of a bet. You got Mahomes at 6-1. to 1. Well, before the night of the playoffs, they were 10-1. to 1. And if you did a money line rollover, just bet them game by game by game, you ended up with like 20-1. to 1. So sometimes it's better to just go game by game. Again, people sometimes don't have the patience, discipline, foresight, whatever to do it. People want to take that, you know, 30, 40 to one, stick it in their pocket. It's like a little trophy and then just say, hey, I made my bet. I got my 30 to one. I don't have to worry about it. Think about it, which I understand, but uh, keep that in mind. Sometimes it's better to go game by game, but Kentucky gets off the mat. Maybe they're a factor down the stretch here. Maybe they're a factor deep into March. It's more fun when they're good. It's more fun when Calipari's in the mix. I like Calipari. He's a, you know, he's good for the game. Seems like a decent guy. He's a, he's got a good personality, sense of humor. Always like Calipari, so hopefully he has a run in them. 
And they have a lot of athletes. You just worry, uh, you know, if they can defend and defend at a high, high enough level. Uh, before we get to Todd, a few other things like Florida Atlantic is a team I loved last year. I picked them to go to the final four. Like I mentioned, they are not the same team. Now you wonder if that's just, Hey, they made the final four and th that was sort of like a championship for them. And it's a little of a hangover or just, they're not the same team this year. They don't play defense as well. So um, just going or bouncing around here, looking at things that stood out. I know people might see them this year, be tempted to pick them. I, I don't love them as much as I did last year. Again, are they playing possum or are they just not as good as last year? Um, could, could be a little bit of both, but they haven't defended well. They haven't rebounded well. They did beat Arizona right around Christmas, but not the same Florida Atlantic team. So college basketball taking center stage this weekend. I could not get into the, any of the NBA stuff. We're taping this right as the all-star game uh, is going on or is about to start uh, on Sunday night, just so we get out Monday morning. The all-star game did get bet under. There were some whispers or not some whispers. Silver came out and said, Hey, I want a more competitive game. I think we're all on the same page. The game has become a joke. It's again, paraphrasing, but uh, I mentioned on the show uh, before the weekend with Kelly, hey, the, this game has gotten away from them where it's become a layup line. They just stand around and watch each other dunk. It's not even a basketball game anymore. Um, so so we'll see if that ended up coming true. And they played, just play a normal basketball game. It used to be a normal basketball game. So it did get bet under with a lot of people with that same line of thinking. Like, hey, when a total is you know in the 360s and then the 350s, it doesn't take much defense to stay under. So uh, that, that did get bet under. But other than that, Boy, the All-Star Weekend has really lost its luster. The three-point shootout, fine. You watch these guys shoot threes. Very impressive. Okay. That's one thing, I guess, that's half watchable. But I can't get into these skill competitions, you know, the Friday night little tournament with the four different teams, the G League, and then the rookie team. and all. I can't get into it. Uh, Curry shooting the three-point competition against the girl from the, the WNBA. Uh, Ionescu, Ionescu, I, I can't get into that. She shot the ball well. She's a hell of a player. Don't care. Not not into it. These little gimmicks. There's like I give you gotta give them credit, I guess, for trying things. But these little gimmicks do not do it for me. And speaking of not doing it for me, the slam dunk contest. I think the way to fix it. First of all, there's only so many variations of dunks the human body can do. This dunk contest has been around for decades and decades. The star players don't want to do it. The guy who won it again, McClung, is not even in the league. I mean, there's only so many things you can do. There's only so many things you can do with it. And again, when you have no names doing it, it kills it. And there's just. Uh, eventually you run out of dunks. The human body can only, you can only dunk over so many people dunk from certain angles, blindfold, jump over this, jump over that. I mean, at some point it's run its course. So what I think they should do, the only way to save it, I actually think this might work, get rid of it. And then three years from now, five years from now, bring it back because people love to be nostalgic. People, if you, if you got rid of it and then three years later, five years later, you brought it back. People say, Oh, it's back. I'm excited. Maybe, maybe people will be excited if, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So maybe if you got rid of it and brought it back, maybe that would restore some of the luster. And again, you need some way to get the stars in. And if you gave it like a little five-year breather and brought it back, maybe some of the stars would do it. It'd have a new, you could rebrand it. It'd have a new view of it, a new appreciation for it. But other than that, total waste of time. The All-Star Weekend's a, t a total waste of time. So down the stretch in the NBA, we did a lot of NBA on the show Friday. That was good with, uh, with Kelly, if you want to go back and listen to that. But down the stretch here, only one more weekend left in February. We got through this weekend, one of the deader sports weekends of the year. That and like the, the week of the All-Star Game, NBA All-Star Game and Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Those are two of the deader times, at least during the NBA All-Star Game. You can do have college basketball, but key is always making it through February. We got through one weekend in February. We get through another one next weekend. And before you know it, we turn the page to March. And then it is conference tournaments, which are great because you have games all day, all night. They start in the afternoon. You get random time. You turn on the TV and you can find a game, three games, five games. Uh, once they start, they don't stop it, which leads into selection Sunday, the tournament. 
And then before you know it, baseball opening day, uh, NFL draft, just everything, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. It's a great time of the year. It's we're not that far from it. So we got to, we, we, you know, we got to slum it for another week or so in February, but we will still have great shows. I think we got Iron Eagle coming later in the week. We'll still have great guests, great content, but from a sports fan standpoint, let's face it, February is a little bit of a, uh, a, a down period, but again, it, it brightens up quickly and it brightens up soon. So speaking of brightening up, Todd Wishnev, the great one will join us next. We'll talk some college hoops. That is next. This is the should have it more podcast. All right, we are back. Should a bit more podcast. It is time to talk some college hoops. You can hear him on the Beating the Book Megapod, the Showtime series action. It is the great one, Todd Wishnev. Todd, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, Willie. How are you? I'm good. I do want to warn you, uh, Fezzik has been known to listen to this time to time. If you make any mistakes, as slight as they may be, he's not shy about correcting us. So just be aware that uh, that, that Steve might be listening along. I promise not to moneyline parlay anything today. Uh, I started the show with UConn. Let's start there because they have a big win, and then you couple that with Purdue losing. There's some five to ones out there. I know Circus plus six fifty. You could have gotten better prices, but is this still a good price? Do you are they far and away the best team in your mind? I mean, I got them eleven to one uh, like a couple weeks ago. Uh, I've been a believer in them since last year. Of course, I had them. 22 to one last year or 24 to one, something like that. Um, I think they're the best team. Um, I don't think Purdue's very good at all. I think, uh, I think Purdue is one, you know, monster guy and the rest of the team is, you know, good, but they're not great. And, and that guy's soft and, you know, he makes his free throws sometimes, but he misses them other times. I, I would not be shocked at all. If Purdue gets knocked out early again this year, um, you know, this past weekend, we saw them lose to Ohio State. I just don't think they're a very tough, gritty team like UConn is. So, um, you know, I don't know. Should they be, you know, so low as six to one? I don't know. That's kind of low, especially, you know, there's some other good teams out there like Houston is very good. I think on defense, that's a that's a kind of NCAA tournament type team. Uh, I don't really like Arizona. Mm, I don't really like Tennessee. I don't really like Alabama. I don't really like Auburn. I mean, Iowa State I like, but, you know, none of these teams really scare you. I'm surprised to hear you say Houston. I think you were pretty down on them last year, and a lot of people, were they the number one seed overall last year? I can't remember. They were a one seed, and you were very skeptical of them. I think your quote was, they suck, and they ended up losing really in bad fashion in the Sweet 16 against a, a mediocre Miami team, just buried them. So I'm a little surprised to hear you high on Houston. Well, I'm. it's not that I'm high on Houston. I just think as far as, I mean, I don't think they're as good as Connecticut. That's for sure. I just think that they're designed to win in the NCAA tournament with their defense. That's all. Because their defense is going to come every every night. Um, you know, I'm, I think they're, you know, last year I was kind of a little bit down on them. But I, I'm not as down on them uh, as, as, as I was last year. But, I mean, if you're going to tell me, okay, Houston or, you know, Auburn or something like that, or Houston against Illinois or something like that. I'll take Houston, you know, because that defense is going to show up every game. And, you know, in the NCAA tournament, when it gets real scrappy, you know, but like, I, I still don't think they're close to Connecticut. So if you had, let's just say you had nothing on UConn, I know you said you got 11 to one. If you had nothing, six six to one plus six fifty five five to one, that's not enough for you, or is that still? I mean, I would probably bet? I would probably play just because I don't see UConn losing early on, and if that's in the tournament. So if that's true, 
you can get yourself to the elite eight pretty easily. And then, you know, you could always hedge out if you don't like how, how they look. I, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but you're probably, you're probably better. It does make sense. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're probably better just money line parlaying them at this point anyways, you know, and you'll probably end up with more than six to one, I would think, you know, even regardless of who they're going to play, you know, I was thinking of that. I mean, the first one you basically throw away because that's going to be a minus what? I mean, that's yeah, that'll be that'll be minus a billion. Yeah, but let's say let's say they end up against a team that's like in Ken Palm somewhere between thirty and thirty-four, right, in the second round because that would be like the round of thirty-two. You're looking at teams like Clemson, Villanova, TCU, Washington State, FAU. I mean, I guess they could pull an upset on on uh, you know UConn, but I don't think so. Right. And what would a money line like that look? I mean, people just aren't, people don't have, even if it's the right thing to do, I was talking about this before, like, even if it's the right thing to do, like the chiefs were six to one before right. the season and they were 10 to one before the playoffs. If you money right. all over, you get 20, like people aren't going to do that. People will bet it right. and they'll lose their money on something else. Or they'll just, they'll start to get a little gun shy. Once that they start to see the bigger figures and they'll bet a little less. There's just uh, the execution is yeah. not as always e- as easy as just, Hey, I'm going to money line roll over. It's hard to execute for a lot of people. I think I agree with you. I would, I wouldn't disagree with that. So if, if I say UConn can't win it, would you, who, who would you pick? Like, Hey, UConn, you, you can't pick UConn to win. Who would be your second team? It sounds like Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not real high on Houston, but right. let me think who else do I really like? Um, it's a it's a tough question. I don't. I I definitely think now that you now that we're doing this little exercise, I definitely feel UConn is head and shoulders above right. everybody else. Is is really not that great, you know? Um, I guess Houston would be my second second pick. Definitely not Purdue or Arizona. In the Ken Palm, you have Purdue. Uh, Houston, Connecticut, Purdue, Arizona, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Illinois. Those are the top eight teams right now in the Ken Palm. Um, so now you're asking me out of the other eight, what of the seven, who do you like the best? So Houston, Purdue, Arizona, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, and Illinois. I mean, I don't want Illinois. I don't want Auburn. I definitely don't want Alabama. No defense. Tennessee, maybe. And I definitely don't want Arizona or Purdue. So I'm stuck with either Tennessee or Houston. I guess I'll take Houston. Yeah, I said on my open, their biggest enemy is the format, the fact that it's one and done. Because if this were NBA best of seven, you know, you you wouldn't be getting a six, seven to one. You'd be getting oh yeah, you know, maybe like two, three <laughs> yeah. to one. Yeah, but of it's course. just it's one or right. done. You, you know, right. three point three point variance. You're making your you, you have a night where you're not making your threes, you have a night you run into a team that shoots fifty four percent from three, you, you might be going Absolutely. home no matter who you play. Absolutely. I mean, Iowa State's number nine. I probably would like Iowa State. I like that team. As the second best team, uh, North Carolina's 10, Duke, Baylor, Creighton. Michigan State at 15 is a little interesting, but I don't think they're they're good enough to, to win it all. Are they 15 in Ken Palm? Yeah, in Ken Palm, they're number 15. Wow, I wouldn't have guessed that. I really wouldn't have guessed yeah, that. Yeah, BYU 16, Kansas 17. San Diego State at 18. I like San Diego State. A little rematch of last year. I mean, they're, they're just gritty. I mean, I keep saying this over and over. I like teams in the tournament that are gritty, and it just happens all the time. Because when when everybody gets nervous, you know, and everybody's in, in the sphincter tighten up scenario, you know, 
it, you want those teams that are just going to defend every possession, get a good shot every possession, not turn the ball over. You know, those are the kind of teams that I want. Uh, so we've, we've touched on a couple teams. Let's just go through a couple teams both ways. A couple teams you think are overrated, a couple teams you think are underrated. Because like I said in, in the opening, like you gave out UConn, San Diego State, to make the final last year. You overshadowed my FAU pick, which is a great pick, and you just – you, it was uh, unbelievable. Your FAU. Yeah, that was a, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a pottery <laughs> thing. It's gonna we're gonna have a hard time in a month or so living up to that. We'll never do that. We'll never do that again. I agree. Uh, just about, you can take any any direction you want. Few teams that you think are overrated. Few teams you think are underrated. Okay. Um. You are you gonna give me the teams or I'm gonna just pick? No, them? no. Just top of your head. Oh. Hey, this team. Oh, is okay. Little, yeah. Well, San Diego State is 18th on the thing. I think they're underrated. Okay. Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin. They're number 19. I mean, do you, do I think number 19 in Ken Palm, Wisconsin, is just as good as Purdue, Arizona, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Illinois, uh, North Carolina, all those top 10 teams on you? I definitely do. Um, Gonzaga at 20. I'm not high on Gonzaga. I, I don't think they're that good. Um they're on the bubble too. I'm surprised. They're, I got to refresh my my Ken Palm rankings here. I'm surprised they're 20 because they're they're, I, I they're think 20 Lenardi, on the Ken Palm, right? Lenardi, I think, yeah. had last them as the last team in or the last team out, like right on the edge of the bubble, which is strange. Can't remember the last time they weren't in the tournament. Boy, I'm surprised they're that high though. You know, I'm looking at some of these other teams. Kentucky, I think, is overrated. I'm not big on them. Dayton is 24. That's a team that I like a lot. They they're they're like a poor man's UConn. They're kind of scrappy. Smart team, don't do stupid things. Who else over here? Like, I'm trying to pick from somebody down a little bit further. Let me press you on Kentucky say. because Kentucky, it's you could look at them either way. Hey, they don't play enough defense. There's flaws. There obviously are. Their lows are very low, but boy, their their A game is impressive. And they actually defended against Ole Miss the other night. They defended Saturday at, in, in Auburn, held that team yeah. in the 50s. Could, but could they're going to have a crap. Team? They're going to okay. have a crap game, just like you said. They're inconsistent. That's not the kind of team you want in the NCAA tournament because when you have the bad game, goodbye. And so that's what I think will happen to Kentucky. They'll have a bad game. They're not shooting it well, and they'll be you know out. So I'd much rather have the teams that are you know. Here's a team that 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 I think is is slightly overlooked. Clemson. I really like Clemson. Agreed. I like their coach. They're thirtieth on Ken Palm. I think they're. They should be a lot higher than that, you know. Yeah. I I think that's a good team. Bad loss Saturday against against NC State, which is not the worst thing in the world. And I actually thought of that with UConn because I think UConn's won fourteen in a row. They probably got five or six regular season games left, maybe three in the Big East tournament, and then six in the NCAA's. You're well, I mean, it's very hard to finish the season like a thirty game winning streak. If you're UConn, maybe you want to mix in a loss here, whether it's the conference tournament, whether it's regular season. You yeah. kind of want to get one out of your. I hear that. Before I hear that. So. I definitely hear you. How about Wazoo at 33? That's kind of a team that that I like. Very methodical, very smart, good coach. You know, I, I like the uh, Wazoo. I think they could pull some upsets. FAU we talk about all the time, and we think they're overrated. <laughs> they're at 34 in Ken Palm, 99th on defense. Bad. They're not the same FAU as last year, so, so enough with the, their nonsense. SMU's another team I like. SMU's another kind of like you know, under the radar type type team. I'm not saying they're going to make it all the way, but they could make a run. Wouldn't shock me at all. Um, I'm, I'm now I'm looking in the 40s and um, see if uh, there's anybody. Nevada at 45 on the Ken Palm, really good on defense, really good on defense. And, you know, the defense usually shows up every game. So that's, a, that's not a bad uh, look. And um, looking at some of these other teams here, like 
further down, like if I'd be looking for like a team that I would say is like, you know, a real long shotish team. How about Rutgers? Ooh, Rutgers. They're not. I mean, I don't know if they're going to make the tournament. Where they're like what, fourteen and ten or something like that, six and seven in the Big Ten. But you know, they've been really coming on lately, and they play defense. A team I would have said a few weeks ago, a month ago, St. John's. St. John's has played terribly. Horrible loss Sunday against Seton Hall. He only scored oh 19 points in the second half. Uh, Patino said after the game, this is the most this is the most miserable experience I've ever had, which is which is quite the quote. Wow, uh, that's yeah, they, not they a good thing for your coach to say. No. It's the worst experience I've ever had. Wow. He said it's the worst experience <laughs> of my life, something like that. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I think that's a, that's, a little, that's a little much there, coach, but okay. He getting knows, the, right? Getting the troops fired up. Yeah, they had a big lead at the half. Just uh yeah, a, a terrible loss to uh to Seton Hall, barring some miraculous run here, like running the table the rest of the way. I mean, they're they're not gonna get in the tournament. They have a long way to go to uh to even get back on the bubble. Uh last I'll tell you another another yeah, team before you before you go on to the next thing that's like more of a long shot, 68th and Ken Palm, San Francisco. I like that team a lot. Good one. Good one. Yeah, it's uh wh- where where did you say they were in Ken Palm? They're 68th. They play defense and they have some offensive weapons too. Um, I really like San Francisco. Where I'm curious where Lenardi has them in the bubble. The thing is when the brackets come out and the brackets come out late, everything's pushed back this year because it's not till St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, where the bracket comes out. Usually they're like a round or two into the tournament by then. So it, it's definitely a later tournament that that opening Thursday is not like the 20th. So we still have a while. You don't like when the brackets come out, you don't want to be in a, a mode where you just pick every upset. But I agree. Some of these teams are dangerous. The Grand Canyons of the world, Indiana State, if they can get in, San Francisco. It's uh, after UConn. I'm, I, I agree. There, there is a lot of parody. Uh, well, it's like last year. Remember going in last year, we said, oh, hey, anybody can win this yeah. year. I feel like it's kind of the same thing. If you take UConn out, all the rest of these teams are the same. Houston, Purdue, Arizona, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Illinois, Iowa State, North Carolina, Duke, Baylor, Creighton, Marquette, Michigan State, BYU, Kansas. I mean, this is all the same thing. You know, I'm not saying like there's aren't teams that I like better than others, but are are they far and away better than the other ones I mentioned? That I don't think so. Let's talk a little live betting. You you do a lot of live betting, a lot of live betting totals. Can you talk? Can you walk people through your process if you were teaching them how to do it? The things you look for, just you can be as detailed or as vague as you want, but just give people a little uh, crash course on how to live bet totals. I mean, I look at a lot of things. Um, you know, I was really doing well earlier in the season, and and uh, the last couple of weeks I've not been doing as well. But um, you know, what I look what I look at a lot is um, pace of games and games that are not being paced the way they were originally supposed to be played. So just as an example, you know, you have a game that's a 125 or a 129 pregame. It's supposed to be a slow game and the teams for some reason are playing up tempo. And by that you have to kind of know how many possessions does a 129, you know, uh, correlate to. So you would think a first half about 30 ish possessions is a 129 game. Now, of course there's a million other details, how many turnovers, what the fouls are, all, you know, there's a million things to know. But the first thing I would try to learn um, if I was, you know, wanted to get a lot into the the total betting is you have to learn about the pace and um, what paces correlate to what numbers. So, you know, like a 152 is going to correlate more to like 36 possessions in the first half, you know, all things being equal. And so that's kind of 
you know, where I would start if I was, uh, you know, wanted to learn about, you know, totals betting and, 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 and in, in game situations. And we've texted a lot about this. Do you think your struggles are like they've, the numbers are better, the numbers are sharper in terms of the totals? Or is the fouling just not as predictable where like down seven, it used to be, all right, foul right away, ease, quick score. And then that cycle starts where you can get 10, 12 quick points in 30 seconds. So or is it a little bit of both? I don't think that's happening as much anymore. I think there's a lot less fouls. Now, I don't have any data to, be, to back this up other than I watch a gazillion games. And it seems to me there's a lot less coaches and a lot less coaches both from the ahead and behind standpoint. The, when they're behind, they don't foul as much. And when they do, when they do foul, they take forever because they go, oh, let's get a steal first, you know. Um, you know, an example would be today, Rhode Island down nine with like 55 seconds left at home doesn't foul. I mean, in the past, that was like impossible, right? Um, I had a game earlier this year. BC was down eight in the, with with 50 seconds ago, didn't foul. You know, so you just didn't see that in the past. And now even when they do foul, I had a game that I needed over Columbia and uh, Harvard the other day. And, you know, they take, let's say there's 32 seconds left, they're down six. They, they, they try to get steals. They try to do a trap and steal a guy for 12, seven or eight seconds. Well, that is a huge thing because it knocks off possessions, you know, at the end in the past, there's 28 seconds left. You're down six. You might take one second and then foul. Now it's like five or six seconds, you know? And of course there, there are games that go both ways. I'm just saying in the right. aggregate, if you look at all of them, I think there's a lot less fouling in the last minute. Then if you don't get that, if you, if you trap and you don't get that steal right away, they break the pressure. Then the guy can go to over half court and just do the thing where he dribbles around and passes it. And then you could get, you know, eight seconds, 10 seconds. And then it gets to the point. Well, the defense, like hell, if 10 seconds built burnt off, we didn't get our steal. Maybe we just call it quits anyway. Exactly. And so I think that that's, that's been definitely a factor, Um, you know, as far as end of game stuff, you know, I think that's definitely been a factor. All right. Anything else college basketball wise? I mean, I could talk about it for an hour, but I, you know, <laughs> I don't know how long your podcast is and I'm not sure how much I'd like to divulge anyways. <laughs> I think we did enough. We'll end on this. If the 49ers and the chiefs played again today or yesterday, and we're a week away from, we're a week removed from the season. Who would you pick? Uh, I'd take the chiefs. Oh, you would. I'm surprised. Yeah. I thought you'd say the 49ers. No, I'd take the chiefs. I, I just think that, you know, because they're going to have the same coaches and they're going to have the same quarterbacks. Right. So, you know, uh, you know, that was that was what the handicap was. If you remember our Megapod, yep. you know, I was like, it's the quarterback and the coach. And in, in the, the end, that kind of. Yeah. I mean, in the end, that kind of proved correct. You know, it's like if they I mean, I think San Francisco should have won the game. They lost the game, in my opinion, in the first half. When you're only ahead 10-3 and you're supposed to be ahead by a lot more, how many times in the NFL do we see if you squander your chances to get up big, you end up losing the game? It happens so often, it's ridiculous. And if the other guy on the other team is Mahomes, you're in real trouble. It's like in baseball. If you have the bases loaded three out of the first four innings and you look up and it's only one nothing, you're like, how the hell do we only have one run? It's usually not a good exactly. time. It's usually... exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a great point. Uh, yeah, boy, they pissed that game. Did you have a major problem with anything with Shanahan taking the ball? Because I felt like a lot of people were playing the results a little bit, but I also would have kicked. What, what were your thoughts on the overtime? 
me personally, I thought you should take the ball. And I, I didn't think it was very large either way. But I think people discount the fact that it could have been 0-0 zero, zero, yeah. or 3-3 three, three as well. And then if it's 0-0 zero, zero and 3-3, three, three, you want to have the third possession. And I think people are, are not, you know, looking at that properly. and be like, oh, well, it's Mahomes. Well, they did get stops on Mahomes. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like they, he, he went down the field on them every time. You know, they did get stops, and stops do happen in overtime. So I think people, you know how people are. They just play the result. You know, it, the guy's a genius if he goes for it on fourth and three and he makes it, and he's an idiot if he went for it on fourth and three and he misses it. They don't talk about the percentages or, you know, when you're at the one-yard line, they're oh, if you give it to the running back, oh, I give it to Marshawn Lynch every time. You remember that? Remember that whole nonsense? Yeah. Well, they found out, well, Marshawn Lynch from the one-yard line that year was six for 13. Okay, that was his number six for 13. So don't tell me your nonsense. Okay, it, it, a lot of these calls are just very, very close on the math. And so, of course, after the fact, all the dumbbells, of which most Americans are 99.9%, um, are going to tell you, Oh, you should have done it. It was Mahomes. It was Mahomes. We're crazy. It's Mahomes. He would have gotten just as much criticism if he decided to kick off and he lost. He would have he would have taken just as much heat, especially if, like you said, it went punt, punt, and then Mahomes wins it on a field goal. People would say, how the hell could you give Mahomes a third possession? You got to get two out of the three possessions. I know that's my favorite <laughs> exactly. thing. People are like, why are you thinking about the third possession? Well, the third possession matters if you, if you, if you split, if you just tie on the first possession, it matters. Well, this is why I say all of life is gambling, you know, and the problem is you don't get to play the simulation out a thousand times, right? Right. You marry somebody, right? It's the biggest gamble you'll take in your life probably, right? Guess what? You only get you only get that one shot at that one time. You don't get a thousand marriages to, to look it over and say, hey, well, 622 times she cheats on me and 324 times she's a good person. You know what I mean? You only get that one time. You know, so it's like, that's the rough part. Yeah. And what would you say? 30% of the time they probably match 40%. Like what's a, what's a reasonable percentage that they match on their first possessions? Oh, zero, zero and three, three. Yeah. Turnover, Uh, turnover, field goal, field goal, punt, punt. I say, hmm, that's a great question. What is the percentage of zero, zero and three, three? Because they're going to say, well, it's not going to be 7-7 seven, because seven, Mahomes will go for two, which probably is correct, right? And I think that's a um, little uh, – boy, it's easy to say that after the fact. People can talk tough after, oh, I would have done this or that. I would have gone for two. I don't know. Andy Reid's never been the most daring coach. I, I would have liked to see him give up a touchdown, score a touchdown, then really send out his team for the two point to win the Super Bowl, to win a right. Super Bowl one. But I, even though I it's, know, but even though it's the right play, I'm not so yeah. sure. Right, right. It sounds like it's so obvious, right? He may, might not have. Like you said, he might not have done it. So you never know. Um, what's the percentage of 3300? I don't know. It's probably, it's got to be a nice chunk, though. It's got to be 20. At least 20, 30 percent. I, mean, I you throw 30 percent. I think a third, yeah, third, third of yeah. the time, something like that is pretty reasonable. Yeah. And then in that case, you're probably, if it's 30 percent, you're probably like 18 to 12 to win if you get the third possession. Yeah. And people are probably like, oh, the Super Bowl is a week ago. Why are you talking about it? Because we, we do the, uh, the megapod all year talking football and we don't have like a wrap up megapod with me, you and Gilly. So, right. Wanted to, uh, wanted to get your thoughts on that. And you're good with the live stuff. All right, Todd. I, I think, yeah. I think I'll let you go. I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we'll do this again soon. Yes. And is my check in the mail for this or how do I collect on that? Get it from Fez. Fez will give it to you. Oh, <laughs> you want to plug anything? Um, if you want to, they can go to my uh, Twitter at T I haven't had time to add more people to my WhatsApp uh, in game uh, 
uh, group because it just takes forever to add the people and I've been busy and lazy. And so I have a whole backlog of people I still need to add, but you can always, uh, you know, send me a private message there and say, Hey, I want to be part of your WhatsApp in-game uh, live betting group. So um, that's fine if they want to do it and I'll get to it as soon as I can get to it. All right. Thanks again, Toddy. Okay. I was just kidding about the the check. You can just Venmo me. <laughs> All right, that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Todd Wishnev. Enjoy that. We will be back end of the week. I think we have Iron Eagle. We will discuss with him. Boy, we can go a bunch of different directions with him. NBA, college basketball, which covers both of those. Uh, maybe his thoughts on some NFL stuff. We can put him to work. Again, see you at the end of the week. Appreciate you guys listening. Review, uh, review rate, subscribe, all that stuff. It helps. We appreciate it. See you Friday.